Hey, Power Athlete Nation. Welcome to another episode of Power Athlete Radio. We have a special one today with episode 550, starring myself, Mr. Chris McQuilkin, a.k.a. Tex, Callie, the Hens Hensman, and then the Wraith, Harry Hepton Stall. That's his nickname? Well, he is. I mean, he's a 6'5", 300-pound jiu-jitsu player with a black belt in uh, <laughs> uh, Taekwondo and a gold medal in basically eviscerating people in emails. And a badass designer that we snatched from one of the top design houses in the world to be able to do our badass branding. And you guys know Kelly Hinsman, uh, you know, longtime power athlete coach, uh, editor of this podcast. She's really the one that was the catalyst behind Power Athlete Radio. So we got episode 550 today, which is a winner, sponsored by our good friends at Thorne. And for those of you guys that are taking supplements, make sure you're taking the best in the market. And if you're interested in what I take, you can go to thorne.com slash you slash power athlete to see what I recommend and what I take daily. So once again, go to thorne.com slash you slash power athlete, and you can see exactly what I take and what I recommend all of our power athlete nation take. Now, it's also linked in the show notes. Oh, we're also got it in the show notes in case you didn't catch me drop that mm-hmm. like a thump. But dude, I'm stoked for 550. It's amazing to think that just a short time ago, we were talking about 500, 500 podcasts to assume that you are a real podcaster. And we posted our good friend Ben Diesel with 500 fights. I don't know what we're doing for 550. But you know what I, I know we're going to do? Well, we're going to set the blaze with out. this next one. I mean, dude, it's great. Uh, we get into a lot of power athlete origin um, and really how Harry Heppenstall came to find us and came to be really our uh, guiding light in terms of branding and helping me consolidate all the crazy ideas and taglines and ideas and designs and all the other stuff and consolidate it and what you see with power athlete. And then also to have Callie on who really um, had, was the catalyst behind getting power athlete started, edited and was the one that was forcing me when we were in uh, Costa Mesa at Old Cross at Balboa and a little power athlete. We got to do a podcast. We got to do a podcast. And uh, at the time, I remember thinking, what the fuck is a podcast and who listens to these? And here we are years later with 550 episodes. Nuts. Crazy. So you guys heard it here first. So tune in. Episode 550 with myself, Mr. McQuilkin, Callie Hinsman, and Harry Heppenstall. Check it out. Tada is one of our favorite quotes. Kelly, I was yeah. not aware that uh, Tada was in our uh, branding guidelines. Uh, or, did you you, know I, I haven't got our, that memo yet. No. no, that's in our pipeline. That's our next shirt. So, <laughs> Harry, if you, if you wanted to do something for our branding, you could have spent the last 10 years getting jacked, but you <laughs> haven't. Uh, I haven't got time. I can't do design <laughs> and get jacked. <laughs> uh, he's a dude. If you saw the before and after between where yeah. Harry was this 10 years ago, jacked. this is jacked. Like, uh, like I hadn't like, uh, he, he, he pulled up like the old picture and I was like, holy shit, dude, you packed on like 30 pounds of, of muscle. Dude, the problem so, is you just were starting from such a deficit. Yeah. So I went from 11 stone, which won't mean anything to you to 14 stone. So three stone, which is the equivalent of probably 20 kilograms. Yeah. So that's quite, I'm, I'm happy with that. Thanks Cali for the support. <laughs> Hey, that, that's what we do around here at Power. I think we exactly. pull each other people up. People helping people. Yeah, people helping people. It's powerful stuff. So, how are you guys doing? Nice to have you on Power Athlete Radio instead of just seeing you guys behind the scenes. Episode 550. Doing I can't great. believe we've done, this is episode 550. 
I can. First out in Callie's like, my ears are bleeding. I know exactly how many of these fucking things you've done. <laughs> oh, I can yeah. listen to this nonsense. It feels like more. <laughs> well, when you listen to it three times. That's you true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's like, no, now I just don't even do it. It's not yeah. No. First outing for me, though. So yeah, is it Harry? Are you serious? This is the first time you've ever been on the podcast? It is. I think um, <gasps> it may have been they mentioned of it in the past, but I shied. Oh, away we make fun of him a lot. Yeah, well, precisely for that reason. That's true. We do. You guys have talked about Harry Heptonstall so much, and I don't. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that it's taken so long to get him on here because. Uh, you know, the amount of times that we've referred to him as kind of the genius behind the brand is it's just amazing that now there's a there's a face to the name. That's kind oh, of cool. that's that's too kind of you, Colin. Thank you. So <laughs> just the just uh, yeah, just the well, I like Puppet Master, just pulling the strings, pulling the thread. Yeah, just we've all got our own strengths. Um and obviously mine is um photoshopping. <laughs> or, uh, so I took over from from John, I guess, um, as the the Photoshop master back in the yeah. day. Before, yeah, uh, back in the day, you were only you were only like worth your weight in Photoshop. That's that's pretty much if you wanted to have any clout at Power Athlete or really just survive, um, you had to know how to Photoshop just as a defense mechanism or as a as maybe like a offensive movement if you needed to do these that these are all true statements i mean you have to know how to defend yourself on the internet and uh, being able to photoshop people's heads into strange situations and into weird phallic symbols uh is like really how you defend yourself and uh that's like how i got into graphic design all of a sudden my email like an email hits i open it and it's a picture of me and my face with a bunch of dolphins ejaculating on my face and uh it was addressed to me and like a few hundred other people and i was like oh wow. and, and it was it, it was brian from crossfit oahu fucking basically shelled me and was like bring it bitch what do you got just out of nowhere and i was like, i realized i couldn't defend myself in the internet age so i had to enlist joey my designer to come over and he showed me a little bit of photoshop a little bit of uh, uh like graphic design with illustrator and I asked him, I'm like, how many hours will I need to get good at this? He said about 100. So for the next five days, 20 hours a day, all I did was Photoshop and Illustrator and that. And by the end of that 100 hours, I just started fucking shelling him with just the greatest shit ever. And that's how I learned how to graphic design. And then I started designing T-shirts. And then Harry fucking saw them. And yeah, and then, then that's when I waited him. So the moral <laughs> yeah. of the story is obviously sex sells as you're Photoshopping <sighs> dicks on everything. But... Um, I think it was at that stage that I probably became aware of it and suggested. Yeah. Well, it was like, oh, uh, who's designing your shirts? I'm like, I am. He's like, well, they look like shit. I'm like, fuck you. You design them then. He's like, was- enough of the ejaculating dolphins on <laughs> yeah, the shirt. Oh, my like, God. Uh, dude, I, I'll, I'll, have to dig, I'll have to dig into my email. I wonder if I still even have that email account. But God damn it. I have never in my life felt more defenseless in that moment when that thing hit and I saw the picture and then I saw all the people that were, it was sent to, I like, it was like, I was had my hands tied behind my back. I was five years old. and I was just getting punched in the face repeatedly. Well, for our listeners, we'll post that in the show notes. Okay. Show notes. Or you know what? I could just whip one up with you, Tex. Don't. Because I, no, you know, I, mean, I, I had the template. Oh, uh, dude, it, it was pretty funny. Uh, like now I look back at it and, uh, 
fondly with laughter, but at the time, I was fucking mortified. Because I, yeah. you know, uh, like like you got to remember, as an NFL player, um, the only thing I used the internet or really a computer for was uh, booking travel to go to fun places. That was it. I had like a, I had like an email account that had uh, like travel savers, and so I'd be like on the week on like Thursday, I'd be like, oh, where am I going this weekend? That was it. I didn't use it for banking. I didn't use it to download music. I did nothing on the internet. Uh, we had a very internet. different childhood is all I'll say. To yeah. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then all of a sudden I get out in this internet age and next thing I know I got a blog and people are attacking me by having dolphins ejaculate on my face. It's awful. Um, so rather than just um, comping dicks onto to photos, I guess, would now be a good time to kind of do the, the transition as to the origin story of Harry Hepnesol. <laughs> yeah, let's pull, let's pull on that thread. <laughs> Harry, where, when did you find CrossFit football to then be insulted by John's <laughs> art ability? Great question. Uh, let me look into that for you. So, <laughs> um, I can date it all specifically. It was uh, I was in my final year or the first year of my professional like design uh, life. I think I was. I was trying to impress a girl. Um, I won't name her, but basically, Harry, between you and I, it worked. So, yeah, yeah, thanks. Are you, are you winking at Tex? It was I'm, me. No, so I was trying to impress Callie, as the story goes, <laughs> with was, graphic design. Yeah, so look at these lovely pictures. But no, no. So, so predates all that. It was more before. It was the aesthetics. It was I was trying to improve uh, sort of my aesthetics. The film 300 was massive in the cinema, a.k.a. the movies to you guys. The movies. The movies. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, I'm trying to broaden our horizon and bring a little bit more diversity into the mix. So the cinema, the film 300 uh, was pretty big. And then uh, the girl I was trying to impress was hugely into that film. So I did a little bit. Uh, behind the scenes working out, oh, what does she, what could she possibly like about that film? And it was obviously the Jack guy. So did a bit of a desktop research, found out uh, Jack Jones slash CrossFit, then followed like, well, obviously if I do CrossFit for a bit, I'm going to look like that. What I eventually realised is if I did CrossFit for a bit, I'd end up looking like that, but riddled with fucking torn muscles and injuries and stuff. So it was at that stage poking around the internet again, I came across CrossFit football. Um, and I kind of loved the energy of it. There was all this kind of dick punching and lovely camaraderie in the, the comments section, should we say. Um, uh, do you remember somebody named Coco? Uh, not exactly. I in remember, the comment the section? I remember is there was a guy that would go on about, um, like, well, there was Ingo, obviously, who, who'd... Um, been there since the start and then there was uh the the honey badgers there was some of that stuff going on yeah but it, what came out of that was obviously um i suddenly developed strength actual some uh, modicum of athleticism and then um a, a believer of karma messaged you guys at, at that stage where I, i'd gained so much from um what you were posted online for free I was like, wow, you're doing this for me and helping me. What the fuck have I done for you? And it was at that stage where probably a, a modicum of like arrogance carrying out of university 
being like an awarded designer, having the fortune to work with individuals at university like Jonathan Barnbrook, a guy that has done numerous album covers for David Bowie. I kind of had that, like I, I was... Bravado. Yeah, so I had a trajectory, should we say, within the creative world that I knew I could bring value to what you guys were doing. And I put that into an email. You'd probably challenge the way that I worded it um, as maybe a bit confrontational, but effectively, I just wanted to bring some help to you guys. So along the lines of, um, like, I love what you guys are doing. You've helped me. How can I help you? That's not, not how it went. That's not, how, dude, that, <laughs> let's not, like, like, let's not rewrite history. Let's be honest here. It was like, hey, you guys are, uh, like, it was pretty much like, hey, I've been using the program. I had a few questions. Who does your designs? They're shite. And I remember um, being like, who's I actually shite? think what I said was, it makes my eyes sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, like, it feels like my eyes are burning. Yeah, no. Do uh, who, who, who were some of the original names on there? We had Professor Booty, who used to give us his barometric pressure. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, I, I heard a rumor that he and Coco were dating, but, you know, I never could confirm or deny that one. Uh, I can speak for Coco. Um, <laughs> that is not accurate. Okay, then then we had our uh, FK FKS. Uh, Remember, there yeah, were all X twelve, and yeah. then within that, there was another. There was MCQ, then there was me, uh, Cali, and then there was James G. James G. Mopar. He was part of that X XII or uh, yeah FKS, F- which which were based. Though those guys were at some fob in Afghanistan, and this was like their only connection to the world. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then okay. there was Jay Bird, and we had Big Josh. Yeah. And then we had uh, uh, T Rose, T Rose, and Travis. And then who else was in there? Ingo. We, you know, I'll tell you, like we can't get rid of Ingo. I don't know what it is. This guy's been with us forever. Uh, then thinking, real, real stickler on our trust pilot review. Uh, and then, yeah. and then who was, um, who was, uh, Ruiz's assistant? Oh, uh, yeah. Smuggler smuggler. I, so the, the final <laughs> 2017, the final run of CrossFit football, CrossFit ass backwards hit up smuggler and his wife. They were in Oktoberfest at the same time. Nice. So connected with them and yeah. I had a great time. No, those were good days. Those were good days. There was a, a lot of feelings hurt on that thing. It was solid. Yeah. And I guess they, I think Jack Street, I don't know the Johnny Watt feeds, but Jack Street's pretty ruthless now. Is it? No, people, so people helping people. It's powerful stuff. That's how I keep it. Candor. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Oh, interesting. All right. So, Harry, uh, sorry about that detour. So, you no, want to no. get back, you reach out, and uh, I think. That, that was point. when our relationship blossomed. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I think I went to uh, Northampton with Ben yeah. Oliver. Yeah, so we traveled, and that's when we met Harry. Yeah, so it, it was like behind the scenes, there was obviously a little bit of legwork done on tidying up PowerPoints and some of the stuff that was more essential work as opposed to like brand growth. But um yeah, I remember the first time I met you, I was sort of thinking, uh, Northampton. So what was interesting is you guys clearly looked at the map of England and just went, what's the middle point? On reflection, Northampton's probably not the best place to go. It's uh, not well, to be ill of any of our followers there. But it's- well, the reason we went to Northampton was because they had a big gym. 
and it was central. Ah, okay. So like, you, do you remember their space? Because I think the first time that we went, we had like 63 people at Northampton. So it was just, it, it, they, they had just a huge space. So I think yeah, it was purely because- just uh, about fitted you inside. <laughs> well, it, yeah. And it was one of those things where we just needed a big space. And I know we had uh, looked at some of the spaces, like we wanted to go to London, uh, you know, like a, just a bigger city. But the problem was we couldn't find anything. Uh, like all the spaces were kind of small. And then what's funny was the guy, uh, I can't remember the dude's name, um, but the dude uh, who had one of the big gyms in the in, in London was like super prickish. Uh, kind of blew us off, blew us off. And then we go there and then is mad that we didn't go to his place. Comes to our deal in Denmark and then writes me a fucking terrible review. So, No. Yeah. Well, that's good. But I had a lovely time in Northampton. Is the, the it, uh, like uh, it, I mean, is North? I mean, like I, uh, you know, I don't really know a ton of the, uh, you know, like what's good and bad. But I mean, I don't know. Is Northampton not considered a? Uh, it's a it's a nice nice enough place. It was just kind of um, it's not like one of the headline cities. But rather than getting lost in like the geography of Northampton or something, I remember like the the headline of that was meeting John Wellborn. The uh, 11 stone, which is about, I don't know, 75 kilograms or something, skinny Harry Hepton style, basically being taken into the arms of um, a much bigger John Wellborn and and feeling like a bit of a rag doll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, well, I, I think I punched you square in the, in the stomach. Yeah, like, so how dare you punker. say my graphic design is not amazing. <laughs> You're <laughs> like, oh, I really like your just random colors. You'll be like, why is everything black? And then one is yellow. And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Yeah, yeah. I did. I, I remember doing an audit of like your logos and stuff like that. And just trying to, again, it was all said with like help of trying to grow and stuff. Because I remember we had sort of, it was you, Ben Oliver, uh, Craig Zielinski. But having time with you, being able to kind of absorb like the John Wellborn, the, the sort of the, the fire hose that is the information source, like all that kind of brand essence because it was soon it wasn't far after that that we kind of started chatting about like power athlete and potentially growing well, that as an entity well the uh the interesting thing with crossfit football is we didn't own that brand yeah, so like true. like, like we sense. owned all all these ancillary pieces in terms of like the seminar and this and everything but at the end of the day we were building brand awareness into a brand that we did not control and could easily yeah. be taken <laughs> You were just banging the drum for CrossFit ultimately. Yeah. And while she did an amazing job out, I think it was it was a point where you kind of needed to step out of the shadows for that. Yeah. Wasn't yeah, no, yeah. I mean it uh it and what was amazing was that it lasted as long as it did. I remember thinking, like, I can't believe these people haven't broken up with us yet. I mean, I'm sure I don't know, maybe you guys have dated people where you're like I'm going to just try to see to say and do whatever I can to get this person to break up with me. And you're like, they won't break up with me. And then finally the one thing which I thought would have never got them to break up with us was referring to them as the Outback Steakhouse of training. Yeah. Who, who would have thought? And who would have? Power of social media, dude. It's I mean, uh, but like who, I mean, like like if somebody said, hey, we're going to Outback, you're like, oh, they got Bloomin' Onions. It's pretty good. They yeah. got beers. Like I'm not mad at going to the Outback Steakhouse. No. It, it's not like I woke you up on a Friday night and I'm like, God, I could go for some Outback. But if somebody said, let's go to Outback, I'm okay to go. Uh, I just can't believe that they had so much disdain with being referred to as the Outback Steakhouse of Training. 
Uh, I think it's, you know, when you say something that a little bit too close for home and it resonates. You think that they were all at Outback Steakhouse when they saw that email? They were like sitting around drinking beers and blooming onions. What does this mean? What the fuck? Is he spying on us? We got to get rid of him. I think if you had said like the Olive Garden of training, like endless soup, salad and breadsticks, then I'd be like, all right, that's a giant obvious F you, you know? Yeah, it was, we were effectively, we were just, we were giving the consumer uh, a lovely analogy that helped them understand the the products. That was it. That was just telling a story. That's what we were doing. Uh, Hey, Harry. So, so when you, so when you, uh, when you sent the original email and then you were kind of meeting up with John, did you already have in mind like a vision of where you wanted to go with it? You knew where we were starting, but did you already have something in mind of how you wanted to change things or did that just happen over time? Or you, just, you were just basically talking shit. No, beautiful, um, beautiful kind of bringing it all back to the, the, the origin. But um, I did have like, so I, I would say that like my, skill set obviously in in brand brand development that kind of like um personality and brand behavior thing so i know it was a, a good few years ago when i was a little bit more naive to kind of the true power that you can can harness with that but i did i knew what you guys were doing wrong and i knew kind of quick fixes I didn't necessarily have the true vision that I think we've sat together as teams and, and work, worked out, but you, you're never going to. You're going to have some kind of a direction of where we want to be going. And then it's like, how do you, it's like almost the skeletal mass. How do you then start building the skeleton to it? So to answer your question, back in the day, it was more, I knew we could be doing it better to match the product at least. But now it's like, okay, we know what the product is. It's a case of like actually allowing everybody out there in the world uh, to understand it as well. So there is those uh, lovely, obviously, empower your performance. It's kind of more than just working out for me anyway. And I'm sure you guys agreed to some point. Actually, I think the the true turning point was, uh, was it 2017, the first symposium where I was like volunteered to Uh, 15. 2015 you're right mm-hmm. predates that oh you mean the one uh the first one we did in newport beach yep yeah and that's right harry came out and presented on the brand yeah. i i got yeah. that slideshow oh. so that that was the true oh fuck it can't just live in here it has to be a thing that you can articulate to other people so like um what you guys do beautifully is that you do the in-person seminars you you live and embody the brand the way you speak the way you behave the way you walk and talk that's great but how do you distill that into kind of the aesthetic the online persona effectively so it was kind of distilling that into a talk and i remember thinking oh christ but i've got to i've got to stand up as this uh, tiny individual and say oh, yeah fly the flag this is the rally cry that we're going to follow but like as a team you're hugely supportive and i kind of uh, had a vision that was it was absorbing your information, John, like the yeah. way you talk, the way you speak, everything about like you as the individual, the the wheat be the hammer and stuff. But it was trying to distill that in a way that like the average person could relate with. Because I, I remember vividly reading sort of the week and thinking, fuck, I am the weak person in this room. I need to change that little narrative so it's more of a compelling thing. So I know you, me and my, my 
my friend, uh, I'm sure you won't mind me mentioning, Patrick Harvey, worked on um, sort of distilling the language around that, so it became a more compelling piece. So the not a call for kind of cannibalism is kind of the... Well, the, it's it's funny because... People have since read that, and then now people we use have been trying to use "Eat the Week" with like some of that branding in their own brands, and we have to send cease and desist. Yeah, yeah, dude. which is but which that, is hilarious. Yeah. Well, because when I when I originally and um, you know people know the origin story for "Eat the Week" was uh, we were looking for a tagline for the team series, or no, mm-hmm. it was our Occupy Strength. We'll go back even further, and uh, I remember I had seen like all this Occupy st- uh, Occupy Strength, and I went in to go lift weights, and Lemmy's "Eat the Rich" came on. And as I came back out, I came out with Eat the Week. And I have no idea where that all came from. But then I made those T-shirts, which is funny because I'll see them on occasion where it was like white. And then I think they, the week was in blue, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and then uh, like so that was where that started. And I, I remember like Googling for like probably a legit hour just looking for like anything, trademark searches, whatever. And had to that point had never seen or couldn't find anybody actually using Eat the Week in any manner. And I, you know, I went 50 pages deep, did trademark searches, nothing. And I was like, well, I guess we're on this one. And then what we used it for almost seven years before we finally trademarked it in 2018. So it's pretty hilarious that, you know, we used it and nobody really caught on to it until after we trademarked it. And now I'll see it. Yeah, man, no, everyone's trying to cash in on it. But I guess looping back to your uh, question, Callie, of did it, did we have the vision? Did we have that? It's, it's something that's kind of like blossomed as we've gone along. Me working with you guys, working with you, Callie. I remember that initial sort of presentation of what the, the brand's about. You you might not remember this, but it resonated with me as there was a, a I think I showed you guys like a, an advert from back in the day that um, Channel 4 Creative over here in the, the UK had done for like the Paralympics. And you, Callie, in particular, seemed, it seemed to kind of like react with you. So these are individuals that aren't um, like typically able-bodied, but they're still like eating the wheat to be the hammers, that like badass motherfuckers, as we'd say. And I, I love the fact that it wasn't just a case like, so John, all respect to you, you played in the NFL, you played tip of the spear, amazing. And I love the fact that there are guys out there doing it. There's also a load of people that aren't there, but they're still trying the hardest. And for me, those guys are still power athletes. It's, it's as much in there as it is kind of in there for me. Um, it takes that kind of mental makeup, like be the hammer isn't just about like the dominating in a particular play it's dominating in a field so if you're in a transaction or a boardroom meeting it's not kind of being that meek and mild individual that's going to be run away with it i just love the fact that we can now help empower individuals both mentally and physically to become better individuals that's effectively for me what the brand is so i got one correction as the power athlete historian Ah. The first symposium was 2014, December, Harry. So, yeah, December 14. Wow. Well, the, uh, now I feel old. <laughs> well, like the, the thing which is, is, is kind of always resonated is I feel like words are fleeting. Um, you know, I mean, think about, you know, how many times you get, not, or, you know, we've gotten up and given different talks and the ability to be able to pull out certain little pieces and then brand it into something where now it's like, uh, you know, a shirt or some form of, 
I don't know, like visual branding, where now it ties back and begins to create this ethos. And I think we've done a good job yeah. with, uh, you know, not only like the the posters, but I mean, just sitting in here looking at the branding in this room, you know, with hammers and then, you know, the icons for the skulls over here. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the, the neon, um, you know, the shovel, the spoon. I mean, all these little pieces where they're just not words said that just, you know, disappear because words are fleeting. I mean, people say things and they just... The minute you're done, I mean, it either resonates or it doesn't. People remember it or maybe they don't. But the actual icons and then bringing them to life almost like uh, solidifies, you know, sets them in concrete to where now, uh, you know, like I'm looking at, you know, battle the bullshit over here to the left of the TV, you know, we're looking on. So uh, all these pieces, uh, you know, that we've from yeah, it's I the, mean, just, the essence of what yeah. makes us what we are and essence is more transcends kind of language and, and visuals and stuff but well it crystallizes it, it because yeah. uh you know like if you have never listened to the podcast or you've never heard us speak or you know this is your first time here or the first time you click on you see these you know imagery you see like the you know i guess type you know like the type form the fonts whatever uh you know and all these different kind of taglines and pieces that fit and they kind of all fit together to create this ethos. And um, I think it's been interesting that they that they weren't necessarily manufactured. And then we had to like work them into the, you know, it's not like, hey, we want to create this company. You go to a branding guy and then he gives you a playbook. Exactly. There's you know? honesty in it. Yeah. yeah it, well, it, it's honesty and organic. It's things that like have been said on this podcast, said in lectures, you know, talked about uh, stories, whatnot, that you were like, oh, here's a little piece. Let's pull that out now and do something with it. And I think that's. Uh, that that makes it all very very personal. Yeah, well, like um, credit to you, Kelly. You're an immense writer. When you read like the uh, the the intros to the the blog itself, like the the energy, the personality on that, you can't fake it. So it all needs to be rooted in inner truth, or it will fall apart. And I can talk about that based on having worked with substantial brands globally like you johnny walkie jim beam or Hagendas, where if you've not got authenticity your audience is going to rip it to shreds and, and rightly so because um like one of our ethos is, is kind of battle the bullshit and i'd say at the moment like there's a lot of so you, you've probably seen that kind of push for trust pilot for example in the fitness world there is a lot of bullshit like um, just trying to have a level of authenticity and transparency. Yeah. What is Trustpilot? Uh, like I saw you jump on that and uh, I saw the emails go back and forth and like we had to figure out the account. Like it's, it's so, uh, it, is it something that's more global, like uh, bigger in the UK? Yeah, yeah. So transparency on that, that actually comes from, and I can say, I don't know what the legal language is that I need to say around this, but my girlfriend is currently going through some uh, car trouble. She bought a car, a performance car, and then um, the uh, garage that sold it, there's a level of uh, dishonesty about them. And that kind of made me realize as an online purchaser, like the value of being able to have this independent organization say it's either yeah legit or not. And there's no bias. Um, like you go on Amazon, like who's written that review? I don't know. So like for me, it's part of our battle the bullshit mantra, like transparency, authenticities, um let's have that independent organization that you can't pay to fake where you're at let our followers help uh, other souls out there by saying what it's like 
taking a pinch of salt with Ingo's from back in 2019 when he he was more reviewing the user experience. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I just can't believe some random thing Ingo got on there and fucking lambasted us three yeah, stars. Yeah, but that's the thing is, like, as an online, it's, it's just, it's a weird but fascinating world we live in now, isn't it? It's like, I'm here in the UK, in pretty much close to Manchester. Uh, Cali, you're in Seattle. You guys, you're in Austin. It's like this global footprint, but um, you can create this kind of like fake persona or bravado and maybe a reflection of my original emails to you, John and Callie, where I projected probably a 300 pound man of. Um... Oh, I, I remember <laughs> expecting to meet Harry Heppenstall and being like, if this dude isn't six foot five, 300 pounds with a black belt in jujitsu and like some like clandestine fucking backstory that involves, you know, James Bond, MI6 and fucking, you know, murder for hire. Uh, I'm going to be disappointed. And then Harry's like, hello, I'm Harry. And I'm like, you got to be fucking Super kidding me. polite. Yeah, oh, yeah like like overly polite, handshake and nice. And I was like, man, I would not have, uh, uh, I would not have matched the bravado in the email with who I'm meeting now. So no. it's, oh. I, I always tell people when, uh, you know, like when Harry emails them, I'm like, just take it with a grain of salt. He means well. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good thing though, that, that Harry didn't turn out to be that person because, you know, I mean, Harry has his own strengths and talents and creativity and all that stuff. There's no question about it. And I think that it takes somebody who maybe doesn't meet that stereotype of the bravado that he presented or that power athlete, what we originally were, you know, power athlete bravado and all that stuff. And and so, yeah, it's a good thing because he provided a little bit of bounce to the force, you know, uh, a little bit like like you were saying earlier, Harry, like kind of that outsider's perspective of like, how do we transform this into less of that superficial power athlete to more of that, like, what is the deeper meaning of power athlete? What does it mean to empower your performance and all that stuff? So I think that's, 100%. it's all good. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like Nike's done it before us, but we'll do it better eventually is if you have a body, you have a, you're an athlete, isn't it? So it's kind of, I wanted to, um, absorb kind of some of that mentality or oh, not me there's no me and team it's all of us we were talking through kind of the, the process like it's easy the shorthand is people look at john and go right 10-year nfl veteran um athletic prowess moves great all this kind of stuff and there's probably a potentially a level of intimidation with that but it shouldn't be it's almost like uh for want of a better analogy formula one so you get these high-end performance cars, flappy paddles, all that kind of gadgets and gizmo that eventually boils down to your everyday production car. Like John's at the tip of the spear, or Cali you as well as a like a, an officer in, in tech in your lacrosse. Um, you're, you guys are out there performing. <laughs> but um, there's, there's individuals that are kind of like new to it that kind of need that slightly... Not a softer edge, but they just need to know that it's not like from day one, you don't need to build there, which is the kind of, it's more the mental makeup. Like, what can we do to help? Like, what are our, um, like the holy trinity of power athlete that either we be the hammer and move the dirt effectively? Harry, Sorry. did you did you ever have a conversation about, like, in, kind of in keeping with that thought process of uh, the skull? 
Because I always think, you know, the, yeah. the, the skull is, it's, it's this intimidating figure and symbol and it's evolved obviously, which I think we should talk about kind of the evolution of the skull. Cause I think it's pretty cool. Um, but just kind of just that in and of itself being uh, the symbol of power athlete, how does, how does a new person interpret that? Dude, what's hilarious is the way the skull happened uh, is I remember when we were getting ready to launch CrossFit football, um, as I was kind of going through this stuff, there was a checklist. And I remember uh, Glassman pitched me across the football. I drove up to Arizona, came the idea. I went home. I said, I'll have some in 30 days. Came home, hit up uh, uh, Brian from Sites at RX. Uh, we went down and he gave me this checklist. And one of them was a logo. And I was like, oh, fuck, where the hell am I going to get a logo? So I was, uh, I hit up the most creative person. I didn't know Harry at the time. The most creative person I knew at the time, who was my buddy Rick from Starling Gear. And, um, so I hit up Rick and I'm like, Hey man, can you help me with a logo? And, uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll send you something. So he emailed me a copy of his Slickster, which is his logo. And I was like, dude, you sent me your logo. He's like, just, you, you can use the Slickster skull. And I was like, dude, I don't want to use your Slickster skull. Uh, and he's like, no, 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 I fucking use it. Um, you just don't use it in that format. You can change it. And I was like, okay. So I hit up Joey and was like, Hey man, I got this idea. I want to take the Slickster, but I want to put it on like a shield. Um, and I don't know why I wanted to put it on a shield. Uh, but I was like, but I want to put like a crack, like a football laces in the head and make it look like a shield. Because um, I don't know, like maybe, like I can't remember what the shield idea was or why. But I remember I wanted the crack. So we, we created that original kind of a shield skull with the crack or with the, the laces on the head. And uh, we ended up like... You know, it was like, I need, you know, two days, right. Till we were going to go launch. So I sent it to him. Uh, we did like the, you know, obviously the cross of football. I think that was like the, a font that I had that I, I, I packed together and I sent to Joey and he like, I want to say like antiqued it in some way. And then I remember we loaded it to the website and like, that was the, like, like there was really no, like, we're going to have some skull. It's about the, you know, you know, the age old, like, you know, you got a you know, pirate flag. I mean, people have asked me all these questions and I'm like, honestly, uh, Rick could have sent me a gear. He could have sent me flames. He could have sent me like anything. And that would have been our logo at the exact time. So the that fact skull that he- was so cool. I, that skull was so cool. That original one was so unique. And one of the things too, aside from kind of the creativity of like the seam and the laces there, like the one eye was like squints. squish. Yeah, yeah. Like squish. And it just, it added like this, I don't know what it was. It was just really cool how it was Until just kind of squished on one side. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, really? well, so, so, so the skull squints. Uh, so what I did is, uh, cause I didn't, really understand illustrator uh i actually squished the head which actually made it look cool so like i totally fucked up and squished the head when i did the 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 logo so that was basically our logo and then we had to make shirts and they looked fucking awesome the only problem is and this is why when we went to power athlete the skull got a much more simpler deal was that we needed them for like the one pixel you know like when you see your tab like it was so complex that we couldn't put it down into one pixel for it to be an icon on a tab. So I remember Harry going through and being like, well, like we like, this is how simple it has to be. And so by that time, and I even remember saying, I'm like, dude, if you want to shit can the skull, like we can go in a new direction. We can soften the brand. Like, like, what do you want to do? And I remember really like nothing necessarily saying to us, uh, like, 
like I can't really remember anything really resonating that didn't kind of fit. Do y'all remember the first t-shirt with the new skull design away from the slickster? No. I think mm-hmm. I do. Was Kelly, it, was it the think? one that like said power athlete on the neck and your head was the skull? No. <laughs> Predates that. It was Wade's, before me. This was Wade's John. army shirt num- numero uno. Oh yeah. That was it, huh? That was the uh, part uh, of the pitch to get people involved. Oh, was New it? logo, Wade's Army, year one. Uh, don't you remember? I think uh, I think I like didn't it? It said Wade's on the shoulder. I remember it was a blue shirt, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a blue shirt. Wade's Wade's Army across yeah, the chest yeah. with a little like mm-hmm. orange Wade's wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did the logo. That was before I got Harry involved. Um, I think actually he said, "Let me do these designs. Fuck off." Uh, but I did Wade's and it was blue shirt, black, and then there was a little like orangey red wings on it because uh, the charity that Scott and Heather had was called uh, Wade's, Wade's Wings. Wings. And, it, and it was like Team Wadey Pie and like they had all that stuff. And then I remember when they were like, oh, we're going to need an army, a.k.a. Wade's Army. So, um, No, you did an awesome job. And um, <laughs> Callie, I'm going to um, jump back on your original question. So John's kind of uh, painted the, the tapestry of where uh, CrossFit football logo came from and you and, and Rick did an awesome job bringing that to life but I dived in with slightly different understanding of how you'd a- approach uh, branding and as John said it was the simplification of a logo big to small and all that stuff but I also like I had my own personal kind of baggage I was bringing to it is like well, I love this program but is a skull right? A skull says death. This is like, is it killer? What was it kind of communicating? So, one of the journeys you go on in in branding is obviously a logo is like an expression of the brand. It's not just a like it's not just a squiggle or whatnot. It's supposed to distill the essence of your behavior and personality into a few pixels. So, it's kind of on that journey and working with John and understanding kind of the essence behind it. It's the I've got a little bit more of a romantic description of kind of where we're at now. So you guys can see that our listeners who have a, on YouTube, they can see that huge uh, power athlete skull in the background. It's like this quite iconic um, form. But some people are going to find that intimidating. Like I, I said, I have my own personal gripe with it. But I think that's kind of good. It's like, this isn't feel good fitness, is it? This is... Um, about empowering performance and pinnacle performance kind of slightly uh, more uh, the the sharper end of the spear versus Zumba, for example. So I think a logo echoes the more severity of the program. But even deeper down down that, more importantly, it's like the skull itself is kind of like um, it's an icon of triumph, isn't it? Back in the day, kind of using the skull as a trophy of true dominance. It was like the original Olympic gold medal, like in Predator claiming the head of your enemy, that skull, that basically meant you were a power athlete, truly. And then I also love the fact, um, is it the Dylan Thomas poem, the rage against the dying of the light? It's kind of that reminder, isn't it? The, The skull being there that... We're not going to last forever. So make sure what you're doing makes a difference. And I love that where it's like working out doesn't necessarily feed into that. It's like when you're actually like Kelly, you out there as a, a 
uh, part of the thin blue line actually going out there and making a difference it's it for me i love the fact that we can distill that into an aesthetic that which might sound really ambiguous. I don't mean like the skull. You should walk out with a skull on your chest, but you know that just the reminder that it probably sounds hugely patronising, but when you work out, it's not just to get the reps, to get the number. There's a there's a purpose behind it. Like there's a severity in that. For me, it's like taking John's and, and Rick's original logo and kind of just giving it that little bit more of a... Um, bit of a spit and a polish and that, that lovely meaning behind it of like rage against the light, uh, dying of the light, the war trophy, all that kind of symbols. Who would have thought looking at the the skull that it meant so much? Because you look around our industry and there's a fuck ton of skulls, aren't there? Yeah. Out that they kind of underpin it with this much personality thinking the behaviour, which yeah, I'll probably go down the rabbit warren too much of, of that. So I'm happy for you guys to pull me back and we could chat about the podcast space or. Well, what would, uh, like, I mean, if we if we didn't have a skull, what do you think within the imagery? Like, I, I like, don't know what the logo would be. I so love the, that I, question. If there was no skull, no symbolism in that, what would it be? Easy. I don't know. Like, like I, 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 straight away. No, no, no. Well, <laughs> You, you'd break it down into two things when you power athlete exists to uh, empower performance. So it's the aesthetic representation of performance. Or So one of the avenues, obviously, for pinnacle performances is the skull, as the story I've just told. It's the, the war trophy, the triumph. That is true performance. There's a plethora. Like, I could spend an entire year creating this, this series of different logos and stuff like performance. How would that aesthetic look like? But for me, knowing John, knowing you guys, like, he's, you've got to take that into the, the personality and stereo. Like, what is the power athlete performance aesthetic? And it is that, like, punk meets pinnacle performance. <laughs> like, the you guys aren't, aren't Zumba. You're not Les Mills, all this kind of lackadaisical, that will do. There is a, there's a serious accountability. Like I remember text vividly, you and I worked out in uh, HQ one time and it was the first outing I'd ever done on a belt squat machine. And you um, sort of felt like my pants were taking that a little bit because it was a case of not really knowing what to do. And it's like, you've got to learn. You've just got to get it. And I think the aesthetic, the brand delivers that. Like, don't get me wrong. Once you're on the inside, we'll take you under the wing. We'll help you. People helping people, all that kind of stuff. But you've got to help yourself to a certain point. And then, yeah, how do you distill that into a logo? Or, like you said, Callie, a tick. <laughs> <laughs> well, what so I guess I would say probably in the past maybe three years, um, the the designs that you've put out like the posters and things like that have just been like insane insanely good insanely creative like john was saying earlier um you've organically taken the um colloquialisms that john has kind of created as part of the brand just mm -hmm. like like just out of conversation and lifestyle and that kind of thing and you've embodied them in this like artistic form and I'm just wondering if there are things that you have wanted to do that you haven't done due just, I don't know, due to 
time or whatever, or things like just related to the brand, like I'm sure there's tons of ideas swirling around that you haven't got. I mean, like what you did for the podcast room, insane. I think that, I think we should make it known that you were uh, instrumental in everything that people see in the background behind John and Tex, but is there stuff that you haven't done you want to do? Absolutely. So it's like uh, John's analogy of sharpening the blade or things like that is, it's always uh, something you're going to want to work on. And as we grow and develop, that's going to, um, aesthetically take a different form. And it, I guess it, it's not just the aesthetics, it, it's the behavior, it's the the way we interact with customers. Like like a, a brand isn't just a pixel, is it? It's much more than that. So there, there is loads that we want to do. There's a lot of going on behind the scenes that we're going to be unveiling at, at some stage. But um, for, for kind of growth of the company, it's always going to be distilled in like what our brand values are, what our what we stand for that empowering performance if it doesn't tick that box it's not being done but jumping around a bit like the podcast space like shout out to my uh friend sarah who is an immense um individual who can use uh software called uh is it cinema 4d don't matter what it's called but basically she can do this interior software so i can have the idea in my head like wow this looks great let's do this but rather than John spend all his time building it and then suddenly we see it and go, Christ, that, that doesn't quite look like, hmm, first pass, let's try again. So um, the idea was in here, chatting with John and the, the guys and kind of distilling it into a physical thing. So let's take the audience around the spaces. You have the obviously the neon sign, the punk meets pinnacle performance, the attitude, the personality of what we're about, huge logo straight in the centre. John, huge personality text, equally it's sort of distilled there from the centre. The backdrop to that is the Be the Hammer War. And Callie, credit to you, this comes from you. Though, um, I forgot what year it was, but I have the hammer. We all have our hammers that he gifted to us and etched uh, Be the Hammer into the handle. So it was like, Okay, okay, take that, but turn that up to eleven. What's the uh, punk meets per- pinnacle performance? I thought I thought that gift was the best idea I'd ever had in my oh, life. Oh, it annoyed me how <laughs> it was. I was like, fuck, what have I not thought of? <laughs> no, it was, it, it was good. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that's why they hold a place of prominence. Right oh, above thank it. you guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, to add, like I, I've still got mine, and I'll keep it until the dying day, but. The, the sentiment, what's beautiful about the Be The Hammer is kind of the, the essence of like, it isn't just like, it's not about, so there's kind of a two sides to it, isn't it, John? It originates from when, or the story originates from when yeah. you were in the NFL where you were coached. Yeah, no, it was, uh, no, it was, it was uh, uh, Tom Odrek. Um, yeah. who since passed away, who was our GM for the Eagles, uh, came over. And I remember I was stretching in training camp my rookie year, and he squatted down and said, hey, um, I want you to know of any pick in this draft, you were my – like you're my pick. And if you do well, I do well. Like our, our fates are tied together. And uh, then he's like, I want you to remember one other thing. Remember, uh, this game is a violent game played by violent individuals who are getting paid a lot of money to do violence on behalf of old rich white men. So when you go out there and that was like, and then it kind of trailed into this idea of like, if you want to play this game a long time, you got to be the hammer more than you're the nail. Cause on every single play, you're either the hammer or the nail. As long as you end up being the hammer more than the nail, you survive this game. If you find yourself being the nail, get the fuck out. 
And uh, I was like, I think I looked back at him and I was like, okay, be the hammer. And so that was part of my deal. So um, before every game, uh, I would pull my gloves on. I used to wear like pretty thin receiver gloves. And then I would tape pads to the, uh, I would do pre-wrap. And then I would take these like um, these pads that they used for uh, putting on people's ankles so they wouldn't get tape cuts. And I would put the pads all on my hands. And then I would take a roll of tape and I would pretty much cast my hand like a boxer. And at the bottom of the tape, I would always put like something that I was going to work on, like quick feet, stay low, be the hammer, fucking head and hands. And so I would always write myself messages on the inside. And then after the play, I would like just kind of look at them like quick feet, be low, big punch, uh, whatever I was trying to work on that day, I would write. And I remember uh, there was um, a guy named Keith Hamilton. And this is the irony of this whole story. Um, Keith Hamilton, who people might probably might not ever remember because you're never going to see him in the Hall of Fame. He was the defensive tackle for the New York Giants because, you know, Strahan was on that team and he's such a big star. But uh, Keith Hamilton uh, was a nasty dude. I mean, by far one of the the strongest, uh, best players I ever played against because the dude played the game exactly as it should, which was fucking max intensity every play. And he brought it. And uh, his nickname was Hammer. And so they'd be out there and they'd be like, come on, hammer. And they kept saying it. So then I would like kind of wrote it there where it was like, be the hammer. And it was just kind of an interesting piece. But I remember he had all of his kids' faces tattooed on his arms all over him. And I remember being like, thinking in my head, like, oh man, this guy's got his kids tattooed on him for like motivation. And I asked him and he's like, yeah, I got to pay these motherfuckers a lot in child support. Makes me fucking angry to see their faces. It's the motivation I need to go out there. I remember thinking like, this dude's, wow. this, this dude's a bad dude, but interesting, there was, there, there was all this really interesting imagery. Like there wasn't just like one moment to be the hammer. There was uh, a coach telling me like, Hey, you're the hammer, the nail, you got to be the hammer. And, uh, the hardest dude I, I played against, I mean, so much so that the first time I played against him after the game, I was so fucking pissed, uh, that the guy, I felt like he had manhandled me that I ripped his picture out of the program and put it in my wallet. And for that entire off season, every time I opened my wallet, I saw his face. And that was the motivation I went and trained. Like age old, you remember like Rocky had like the, the clubber Lang in Rocky three. And he like mm-hmm. crumbles it and throws it like same deal. And, um, you know, and his nickname was hammer. And the dude had this move called the forklift that legitimately he would fucking like, he would let you punch him. And then he would grab your hands like a little kid, like by the wrists. And then he would cross you up and just throw you back. And we called it the forklift and he would hammer people with the forklift. So like there was all this really just interesting uh, imagery behind this idea of like be the hammer. And, uh, you know, I I told that story, maybe not in this much detail at seminars when we would always, uh, you know, talk about like the mentality. Yeah. And and like like the mentality in which you have to take things. Um, And I'll tell you this, uh, the move the dirt mentality and the be the hammer mentality. I think you've done such an amazing job of bringing them to life so much so that uh, I find myself saying these things over and over. Like um, we had a big oak tree that fell in the backyard right over there and like fell onto the, onto the barn. Uh, we had that big freeze. The roots came out huge fucking oak tree. It took me like three weekends to cut this thing up because it was like a hundred degrees and raining and just the weather was just so unforgiving this this summer. And uh, as I was out there cutting, trying to like get this thing organized, I just kept thinking to myself, like, don't stop moving. Just move the dirt, move the wood, yeah, just keep moving it. And I kept thinking like, 
you know, chop wood, carry water, which is a book, but that idea of like, you know, like just keep moving, move the dirt. And, uh, when my, then I, I get my kids out here to help me to like pick up sticks and they're like, it's hot. I'm like, just keep moving it. Just, just don't stop moving. Just keep moving. If we don't stop moving, we're going to get done and then we can go inside and sit in the air conditioning. We'll be fine. I'll take you guys out to dinner, like whatever you want, just don't stop moving. And, uh, you know, I mean, even yesterday, um, uh, I, uh, I had that, uh, the guy from Strong Coffee, we were talking about uh, Evan Roth, uh, is it Rothfelder? Roth, Von? Adam. Von, Adam, okay, from Strong Coffee. Adam uh, R. So Strong Coffee, um, they've commissioned me to build this thing called the Death Bike. So it's a, a salt bike that we're going to turn into this like uh, ghost rider uh, I don't know, like Halloween thing. Cause rogue is having their, uh, rogue invitational here on Halloween up, up in, uh, kind of North Austin, Georgetown area. And, uh, so they wanted, he wants to have like a booth there and then do this thing called the death bike challenge. And he kind of did me a drawing. So he, he dropped the bike off yesterday and the cool part. And I think the only, I mean, obviously he's a good dude. We always want to help him, but we just don't have a ton of time. We got a, we're going to the Olympia this week. Uh, then the weekend after that, we have a, a private military gig that we're going to teach. So like my month is getting compressed. Uh, I got my daughter's birthdays coming up, um, but all the proceeds are going to go to Wade's army. So you guys know I'm a sucker for anything that benefits Wade's army because that's obviously our charity. So when the guy said, Hey, what if all the proceeds go to Wade's army? I'm like, we'll bring this fucking thing up. So I started taking measurements and designing this thing, but, uh, like, uh, you know, even in that thing, like I'm sitting there looking at it and being like, all right, like, Hey, we're going to build this, uh, you know, like the idea of like building something that's representation. And if we put our hands on it, it just can't be just gluing some shit on. It's going to have to be what I'm going to build on this one. Oh, you're- no, no. It, it's got to be like done. Well, it's just not like, uh, you know, gluing shit on that you get from like, I don't know, uh, you know, the, the art mart so that it can look fucking Halloweeny. Now nah, it's gotta be like redesigned in this. And it's just, I think that mentality of not just being like everybody else, taking it a step further, um, you know, like all of this stuff just resonates into everything that we do so much so that like, man, I find myself saying these, you know, ideas. Oh, but I, I know where I got to. So I worked on that and then, uh, I had to go set up the cams because I had to refill all of our feeders. Hunting season's coming, but I'm also battling these hogs um, who are showing up and fucking me up. But the problem is the hogs are real smart and they're finding different places to destroy on my land. So I had to go out and I'm like basically setting up these cams. And then what I do is uh, when the cams text me when something goes off and then I basically pop out of bed and I go out there and I try to kill these things. And every time I get up, I like... Like last night, 2.30, all of a sudden it rings. I pop out of bed. I put on my helmet. I have a, like a PBS-14, which is um, uh, like night vision. And I got thermal in my rifle, and I'm out there, and I'm like, be the fucking hammer. I'm going to hammer these fucking piglets. And uh, surprisingly, I didn't see any last night. Well, the, the, the carry also, Harry, Harry, Carry, writing the programming, building this narrative and expanding on it to truly empower people. If we look at sets and reps, People can think, oh, I'm doing this program, I'm doing that program. But when we start to add a mentality aspect into it, that's when potential is truly unlocked. So having these messages inside the head, creating the message to then coach alongside the the sets and the reps, that's where the power athlete programs, whether we're talking Field Strong, Bedrock, Jack Street, Grindstone, can truly be unlocked. 
Like the, there's a lot of imitators out there. There's a mm -hmm. lot of people that jump into the programs, try it for a cycle or two, and then try to market as if they're able to think they, they got it, yeah. but they don't. So it's, yeah. it's this well, combination of, of programming with the but, coaching. But the difference is, and I think, I, th I think what you're alluding to is, um, if you're just trying to clone somebody else's brand and like build on like the ethos that's already been created, then it's a disingenuous voice. Like if you follow Jack Street, for example, and then you're like, you see kind of the flow. And the interesting thing is, uh, I don't think people can understand that like they might see it, but they don't understand the architecture and they don't understand like the way I'm attacking it. Now, if I explained it to them, maybe, but I don't know if you could see it, but if they looked at it and said, Hey, I'm going to clone something like this. I think all it ends up being is like, you know, when you see the, the uh, mirror, isn't it? Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it's like when people try to rip off some of your shit and we see it all the time, it looks like a bad fucking version because it, it, it does, it's not authentic. Like, like the uh, like the names, for example, for the programs are really interesting. Like like Jack Street was one of our one of the ones that we use when some dude looked like he was getting pretty swole. I'd be like, man, that dude's looking Jack, dude. I guess he moved in on Jack Street, and it was just kind of a funny joke of like, obviously that guy, you know, moved to a new location because he doesn't look like himself anymore, or like Grindstone, which is that idea of like, you know, this is for a Fortune five hundred you know, CEO that has his nose to the grindstone. So we needed it. And then the idea of the horse, um, you know, field strong, you, yeah. you know, uh, field strong comes from, uh, uh, from when I was a rookie in the NFL. And I, I think I'm, you guys have, or I've told the story, but, um, we were lifting weights and the dude was in there barely benching 225, this big country dude. And, uh, you know, we're in there fucking banging heavy weights. I'm like, look at this big, sorry, fucking white dude, man. He's going to all, you know, he's basically making us white guys look bad by not fucking benching 405 for reps. And, but he was a big dude. So then we go out there and uh, I'm playing left tackle. He's playing left guard. He sets, he fucking throws this dude like off of his feet. Like the guy goes flying. And, um, I remember at lunch, I slid up on him. I'm like, what's up, man? You threw that dude like a rag doll, but you were barely benching 225. And he, in a kind of a Southern accent, which is funny. Cause, uh, when I hear Southern accents on women, I think it sounds very like sexy and appealing on dudes. You just sound like a fucking idiot. And it was like this country like, well, I never really lifted weights before. And he goes, but I grew up on a hay farm in Georgia. And uh, we used to ba bale 300-pound bales of hay and throw them and move them. And he goes, playing football just feel like baling hay. And he referred to it as field work. You know, like that cock strong, farm strong, country strong, field work, farm work. And so that's where the field strong program came from because he wasn't just – weight room strong he was country yeah. strong field strong cock strong like there's a million different things and if you've ever played football or wrestled or been around people that grew up doing manual labor like um roger uh one of our you know fucking favorite people in the world uh, roger loyo who's uh one of our buddies from back in california who's actually the guy that got me into welding he looked at me and he said hey dude the only uh the only skill nobody ever regrets learning is learning how to weld and that was kind of like the push to get me to learn to weld. Uh, but Roger talked about when he got in the trades because he was a union pipe fitter and a union welder. And he got in when he was pretty young. Uh, that was before like the, uh, you know, advent of like a bunch of technology. So he said these old dudes who were, you know, pipe fitters, they used to have to set the pipes with wrenches. So he goes, imagine you got like an 18 inch pipe and you basically sleeve it on there and you got a collar. These dudes would have these huge like three, four foot wrenches that they would have to get on a pull. And he said these dudes' forearms and hands were just like fucking concrete and iron because these guys have been yanking these uh, huge wrenches and having me goes, you know, the, the wrenches weighed 30, 40, 50 pounds. 
And then they would have to set them in odd places and then get leverage and torque. And he Mm -hmm. goes, these old men, he goes, were so fucking physically strong that like, you know, you'd go to like shake their hand or, you know, you'd go to like hand them a beer and they would like, you know, break the fucking bottles or you go shake their hand and feel like they were going to shatter your hand. And uh, he was just like, you know, those guys were just strong dudes from growing up doing that stuff. So a lot of this idea of field strong comes from this idea of like, just don't be weight room strong, be field strong where it really matters because the performance is on the field. Yeah, well, if I can build on that as well, what's beautiful that everyone's just listened to there is the story that's unfolded, the authenticity, the depth. What you're saying, and rightly so, is if somebody tries to kind of fake that, it falls apart. But there's a the truth to feel strong, Jack Street, all our programs, the, the kind of personality, the aesthetic. You join it because you kind of, you want to be part of that because it speaks to you but ultimately it's about finding that kind of story and just building a bit of a tapestry and yeah painting it bringing it to life and stuff i make it sound a lot easier than it is thankfully you've spent 10 years in the nfl and met some very interesting people and and what's crazy cool harry it's been 10 years it, it, it's almost i mean i retired in 09 so we're actually like 12 years so yeah. I've been doing power athlete and CrossFit football longer, just lo- yeah longer than I was, you know, did in the NFL. So it's it's pretty interesting to see how long it's created, yeah. and uh, you know the fact that it's it's you know we have <laughs> obviously had enough of an interesting life that we've been able to fucking beat the war drum for a lot of years and also you know be able to to really do what we intended to do, which is influence people in a positive way by mm-hmm. you know stripping away the glitz and the glamour and. And just being able to provide people a really good training resource that they can port in anywhere that's universally true. Very true. And I'm going to loop back to way back when we were talking about that hammer wall. Like it's lovely hearing the anecdote of the story, but again, that's like your ones are very much at the, the the tip of the spear. The oh fuck, I'm I'm not that. Maybe I'm the nail in that scenario. But what's beautiful about hammers is. There's loads of them. They're quite precise instruments. If you take it at face value, it's just like thwack, done. But you've got like ice picks, you've got uh, sledgehammers, toffee hammers, ballpoint hammer. You've got a plethora of hammers all doing different tasks. So what I really love is it becomes this kind of icon of uh, storytelling again, which is what I really enjoy. So it's kind of a, it's about striking true, hitting hard and making positive impacts for me. I also like that, you know, I think in a, in a very sentimental way, if you give, let's say you have, I don't know, John, you give your son his first hammer, you know, when he's like 13 or something, it can be something that he has his entire life. Like a hammer is an instrument that really it's unbreakable. It's something you'll use over and over again. You get more proficient with it as you go. And that was part of like why, when I got you guys, the hammers that I got you, um, you know, they're old, (laughs) they've been used and, you know, you can give someone a fancy new hammer and all this stuff, but it only really develops character and purpose in your life. And that becomes that proficient tool, the more you use it. So I, I especially like that kind of aspect of the, the metaphor also. See, it, it resonates. It just it transcends kind of the the icon, the aesthetic. So, Harry, just, uh, Harry I was thinking when uh, when your friend designed this room, 
uh, were a little bit different. I mean, the icons are pretty close. I put the uh, I have the deer skulls from the from all the bucks that I've killed on this property, but for the most part, uh, it, it was really when when I first saw the thing, I thought, "Fuck, man, that's really cool. Fuck, how the hell am I going to build this?" And like that was like I had the the panic of like. Well, shit. I mean, but then I, I realized how it, it, not to say it was simple by any means, but it was really easy to like be able to stand back, take a picture of the room and then look at the at the graphic design and um, be like, OK, what are the pieces we need? And so we pretty much started uh, repaneled all the room, uh, was able to, you know, find there was two or three different types of black that we tried, but something that was really black, you mm-hmm. know, find the guy to do the the skull and then actually get the proper sizing, which I think was interesting because we were like, uh, how big do we make this? And I remember you like, uh, well, the aspect ratio is here and here and this should fit. <laughs> I mean, it was like, and well, then, you know, and then being able to source all the different pieces on the side, you know, what was cool was we already had the, uh, I'd, I'd already made the angle iron table for the bar top. Um, so that was just a matter of painting that and then finding the, you know, the shovel and the spoon and like, you know, and then obviously the uh, Dylan Thomas, you know, Rage Against the Dying of the Light poem. Um, and he was giving you measurements in like kilometers, kilograms, and then she actually did the hammer wall. And then what I did is I print, I, I had the hammer wall uh, on my computer and then, you know, counted how many hammers she had and then pretty much went through and laid them out exactly as she kind of put them. So mm-hmm. it was you know, interesting, like there's, it's kind of like the bottom has this kind of like bottom set of hammers and then the pieces and all yeah, that. So, it uh, I want to know the look on the face of the cashier when you're buying all these hammers. It's like the grocery store clerk checking out 150 toilet paper rolls. <laughs> yeah, he had, like he had an, duct tape and like zip ties and yeah. all these hammers. Gloves, <laughs> uh, just big trash, trash bags. Uh, well, the, the hilarious part is so I, I go, um, I Ski first, mask. I first went to Home Depot, uh, <laughs> but their, their hammers were like, I think their cheapest hammer was like 14 bucks. And so I, I had to buy what there's like something like 50 hammers on that wall. So I started on eBay and I bought a bunch of collections of old hammers. So there was like a lot of 35 hammers. And so I, I bought and I bid on a bunch of those, got those. And then, um, the problem is, is that in the original design, there's a bunch of like, uh, she, she threw like a bunch of variation of hammers, but then there's a whole bunch of hammers that are similar. So the ones underneath the chin were all similar. And so I was like, well, shit, okay, I'll just go buy those. So I went to Home Depot, Home Depot had these, uh, wooden hammers, but they were kind of too big and they were too expensive. So then I went to Harbor Freight and they had these wooden hammers, which were like, I don't know, like five bucks. And, uh, I like bought like everyone they had and uh, actually I had to go to two Harbor Freights to get enough hammers, but it was cool because uh, the way that she set it up is there were like different hammers and then there were li- there were the same hammers. So it actually worked really well because I was able to use all the, all the antique ones that I got off of eBay, but then go and buy the ones that we needed. So it, it yeah. ended up flowing so, out pretty well. So we did do uh, like together trying to work out like the balance and stuff, but like the, what behind the scenes, I think, uh, we were kind of surprised, positively surprised. Like you didn't have any amends. We presented this, and you were like, "Yeah, it looks great." Um, so, with like behind the scenes for audience and our listeners that don't know. So, before I jumped in full time to power athlete, I was a like a full time uh, creative uh, uh, studio here in the UK where we 
um, just before I left and jumped in full-time to Power Athlete, we were overhauling the James B. Beam Distilling Co. Distillery Tour, um, very much under uh, the, the creative direction of my good friend, Rory Sutherland, credit to him, learned a load from him and actually distilled kind of that storytelling within a space and use that in the podcast space. So that back wall is obviously all be the hammer, you transition over to the right behind text, that's the training wall. Tex is the um, the director of training. So we have Grindstone, we've got um, Jack Street, we've got all our programs. You can see the, the hammer helmet just popping in there on the, the little spirit tray. There's lovely depth of kind of discoverable stuff in there. And then you transition over to John's wall, the right, or the, the well-born wall of wisdom, as I call it, is all those lovely nuggets of knowledge and just like rage against the dying of the light that lovely story that's like obviously quite emotional uh intertwined into uh, the story of your father um i still I, I still laugh about me sitting down and being like dad you gotta you know i mean you gotta fight this thing mm-hmm. and thinking that i was going to motivate him by reading him my favorite poem of dylan thomas and he's just like shut the fuck up <laughs> I'm really tired and he just fell asleep. And uh, I remember like I was, I had this like impassionate deal. I was like, dad, you know, do not go in gentle. And it's like, I'm really tired. Shut up. And uh, I just laughed and was like, okay, I guess it, it's your time. It's your time, but it doesn't diminish it anymore. Cause the original one, which is not that one, the ones in my, in my bathroom, uh, my dad, uh, my, like I have so many memories of waking up in the middle of the night and hearing my dad's typewriter because, you know, pre-computers, my dad was old school, you know, typewriter, you know, double space before, after a period. And, um, so I would be like, as a little kid, I would just like wake up and I hear this like, and so I remember asking my mom, I'm like, what's dad working on? And she's like, oh, he comes home after work and he does all this billing. So my dad was a lawyer and he would actually have to submit and type out his billing. It wasn't just like, Hey, this is how much I work. You have to submit your billing. So he would do that and he would work, you know, maybe till, you know, sometimes he would work till two, sometimes he'd go to bed and wake up at three and do it. And so I would hear this typewriter all the time. And so before he passed away, I went and I actually typed that poem out on his typewriter. And then I have that bedroom in my bathroom and I look at it and I got a picture of him. But, uh, like I remember asking my mom, I'm like, what's dad working on? And I'm like, well, why, you know, why doesn't he do that during the day? Why does he do it at night? And my mom's like, well, cause he's working like, that's what you have to do to be successful. You have to work like it, like, like the, the day ends when the work gets done, just cause you're tired doesn't mean the work stops. And, uh, like that moment of like work ethic and seeing my dad at like three in the morning, dog ass tired, like up fucking typing, doing his billing has always resonated with me where it's like, no, I mean the, like the work stops when the work is done, not when you're fucking tired. And I think that mentality, you know, and I learned about work ethic and fucking busting my ass and being successful, not from any book or from anybody, but by the example of which I saw with my parents. And so like that moment and when I read that poem, like do not go gentle into that good night, like fuck man, that's like, you know, hands down, you know, the, the mantra and uh, seeing, well, seeing it typed on that paper too, super resonates where I'm like, shit, man, like this was typed on that typewriter that as a little kid, I heard him fucking banging on. So, um, just, you know, like there's a lot and uh, you know, what's, what's kind of fascinating is people ask me about this stuff and, uh, like Harry Shaw, I remember asked me, he's like, how do you have so many deep memories? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, it just like, I didn't want to go through life just glossing things over. Like I'd like to stop and take a moment to like 
almost try to like crystallize things in my life. Like, you know, moments with my kids or, you know, sitting out there last night, you know, like, uh, um, you know, trying to set up the cams and get everything done. Like I, I try to like stop and take these moments and crystallize them because I feel like if we don't have this, then, then what's the point of living? Like, I mean, what do we just wait, wake up every day to try to get to the next day to wake up? No, like, I think like you have to stop and take moments and enjoy things and feel the, the life that you're living is contributing to something that not only makes yourself better, but makes other people and, and, and a, a, you know, a life worth living. And, mm. um, you know, and I think like when you're younger, uh, you know, and I'm sure I was when I was playing the NFL, I didn't understand that magnitude, but shit, I stayed up last night to watch Brady, uh, beat the Patriots and like the success that that guy's had, it crystallized his name over and over again is the best to ever do the job and the way he's done it, whatever, man, like for, you know, and I knew Tom or I, I know Tom, uh, and was fortunate to play with him for a little, um, but like seeing it, like, and to see the, how far he's taken it and the way he's done it, there's attention to detail and like, just his, like the passion for what she's doing it, like fucking gives me goosebumps. And I think like, that's a life worth living, you know, more so than just, you know, yeah, fucking well, waking if, up every day. If I can build on that, like you said, it's about, um, sort of effectively being a better person, isn't it? Which is distills back into that kind of power your performance, the helping us help others become better. So I think that's our mission as a team, isn't it? Literally to, it's not the selfish kind of progression of, of oneself. Like I, I'm, the reason why I love working with power athlete and very much being part of it, like I've tried to sell in my previous job, working with Nestle, Hagen, that's like type two diabetes. Like I've had enough of that. Selling booze, I don't know for that. Like, booze is great, don't get me wrong, but there's a certain point where you kind of want to add to society, you want to bring value. And I, like, for me, that's like very much what we do with our programs and nutrition. We just help people become better people. Awesome. Ta da. <laughs> Perfect. Well, we're going to end it there, guys. Hey, thanks for joining us on another episode of Power Athlete Radio. This is episode 550. I want to thank. Miss Kelly Hinsman, or is it? Is yeah, it still Kelly Hinsman? Oh yeah, he took my name. So oh okay, I, so so <laughs> well we can say Mister Mrs. Uh, Tom Hinsman. So I'll be like, good <laughs> on that one. And uh, Harry, who's uh, been our guiding light for a, a long time, pulling strings, pulling the threads behind the the sweater, and then uh, you know text with the veritable sweater. <laughs> Which we should go get I'm waxed. I'm proud of. Which, the, uh, dude, he mentioned the waxing and he tears up. It was fucking great. Yeah, Kelly, day. I can't thank you enough it's for being PTSD. there. It's called PTSD. Yeah, Kelly, thanks for being there for me. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, anytime. Kelly, thanks sir, for being for me, uh, being there for me. Harry, thank you for being there for me and for being well, you know fucking guiding the ship because we would have gone like like that. Uh, was it uh, Florence and the Machine? Uh, you know, the fucking ship on the rocks. We would have been fucking breaking it on the rocks a long time ago. So Happy to awesome. be a part of the ride. I'm awesome. not a good swimmer, so I don't want to crash on some rocks. So. Awesome. Well, cool, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Power Athlete Radio. Bye. 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 Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time.
Bye.